0: Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless, but all possible, find the obvious, bear to the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for an overall. Let's get to it. <laughs> Glad to have you back with me one more time right here on the place where common sense for uncommon times is th- the way it is. And this is a little bit of a diversion show for me today. Um, let me just set this up at best I can. Uh, I don't watch the news. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch CNN. Uh, every now and again, I catch local stuff. But really, I don't want NBC, MSNBC, I used to watch it years ago when Morning Joe was just getting underway. But they've all melded together for me into just a big pile of who gives a shit kind of stuff. I mean, 99.9% of what's talked about on those shows, I can't do a thing about And the 1% I can't, I probably would forget it. So just know that going in, Uh, I don't watch the news and there's a good reason for it on an energetic level. Suck the life out of you. What's the point? Or if you're someone who needs that feed, it injects you with life, which we'll get to in just a couple minutes. So, Big news this week, this past week, is that Tucker Carlson at Fox News was ousted, as was Don Lemon over at CNN. I didn't ever consider either one of those guys. I mean, I catch a piece here and there. I, it's not news to me, it's entertainment. And I'll explain that as well. So, when they were ousted, um, there's this big uproar from people, mostly, for the most part, who are not in the business of media. And I've been in the business of media. A lot of different levels going on three decades just about. And so I've had a lot of experience with the same things that we saw played out in the news on the major league level down in the minor leagues. And I say minor leagues, meaning it's the same stuff. It's just a smaller audience. So using my baseball analogy, if you're playing in minor league baseball, um, you're still playing the game. They're still shooting frozen T-shirts into the stands. The game is still nine innings long unless you get extra innings. I mean, everything's basically the same at the minor league level, except it's a much smaller audience watching. You get to come out and watch, you know, your local heroes there for about eight bucks to get in the door. You go to a major league game. It's the exact same game. There's same t-shirts they're shooting out. And a hot dog will cost you $8.50 just to have that, if, if not more. So to me, I look at it as that sort of an analogy. The radio that I've been in, with the exception of Oprah radio for four and a half years, Was triple A ball, for lack of a better metaphor here. And I was glad and good for it. You know, I got paid well and I was happy to do it. I think the biggest market I was in for a consistent amount of time was right here in Chicago when I was on WGN for a couple of years. And, you know, that was one of those times where I really thought this is the light, you know, my last stop in radio. Well, not so much. But so from Oprah Radio, which is a national and international brand, to WGN, which is a. I don't know, it might be a national brand, I guess, depending on how you look at it, but certainly here in the Midwest, it's, you know, King of the Hill or was, uh, and, but things have gotten more crowded and even podcasting takes a bite out of radio. So, so I go from there and then I was down to, you know, down to other places like CBS and St. Louis, which is a couple market sizes smaller than Chicago. So now you're down playing a ball. And then when I started, I was in the, you know, like the rookie league back in 1997 in the upper peninsula of Michigan at a CBS affiliate that went off the air at six o'clock at night. So I've worked my way from the bottom to the top, for lack of a better term, and then every rung in between. And I've seen so much of what goes on behind the scenes of radio and the media, that I look at it very different than people who are not in the media. And even some of the ones that are in there, I'm thinking, how can you not see this? But This big upheaval about Tucker Carlson on the heels of the lawsuit that was settled where Fox is going to pay three quarters of a billion dollars uh, to to Dominion, I should say, uh, the voting machine company. And I am pretty well sure that part of the reason there was no apologies given on air by any Fox hosts, even though they were in the wrong, was because part of the deal was some of them are going to go. We, we won't ask your people to say they're sorry and that they made a mistake and that they lied and all that kind of stuff, which came out in the, you know, in all, and everybody knows about it. That's the other thing, right? It's like Perry Mason all over again. Before the jury is ever sequestered in the room, the whole world knows what's going on. It'd be near impossible to get something that was somewhat fair, I would think, not fair and balanced, just fair in general. So anyway, this goes back and forth. And I, I'm guessing they say, look, you know, we, we won't say we're sorry. And they're like, okay, that's fine. But these people are going to go, these are the ones that cause the most problems. These are the ones that that are, are expendable to a greater or lesser degree. So Maria Bartolomo, gone from Fox News. Jeannie Perot gone from Fox. I never saw either of their shows. I saw Maria when she was on the Money Channel every now and again. Uh, the only thing I know about Jeannie Perot is that they've done parodies of her on Saturday Night Live. And I'm, okay, good. Uh, but Tucker Carlson was a shock to most people. And I'm not shocked meaning that your biggest liability is always um, on the bargaining table to be gone. The whole idea of media, just get this. And, and, and for those of you who think, you know, I'm gonna work this in as best, I can I have so much in my mind this morning and not enough coffee to fill it. Um, this is all about an audience. Media, all media, everything. My show to Tucker Carlson, to Mr. Rogers. It's all about your audience. And what does your audience want from you and what do you want from them? But you have to cultivate that audience first in order to feed them. And that's what Fox has done. That's what WGN does. Can you imagine, I don't know if you're, any of you are familiar listening to this, but there's a guy on Saturday mornings in Chicago radio named Lou Manfredi. They call him Mr. Fix-It. And Lou's been on for decades. He rules Saturday morning radio in Chicago. I think probably from nine to noon or something like that. I'm not exactly sure when he's on now. Great guy. And, you know, I haven't been to WGN for almost a decade at this point, but I can tell you that one of the biggest billing shows for that channel is Lou Show. I'm sure he's got a great deal and more power to him, but people wait in line on the phone to ask this guy about how to fix a screen on the back door. And there's an audience. If they removed Lou Manfredini and they put me in, whether it was the same show or not, There'd be anarchy in the streets. How does this happen? What's going on here? So it is the same situation, just with different names. Lou wouldn't be let go for reasons of being a liability, that's for sure. But this stuff happens in the media all the time. You may not see it because it doesn't make headlines like Tucker Carlson and the rest of these people, but that's really the deal. You have an audience, you've created an audience, you've crafted an audience, you have to feed the audience. Why is that? Well, because the bigger the audience and the more faithful the audience is to the message, the more money you can charge for advertising. And so underneath all the layers of all the rhetoric and the BS that gets bantered about on every single news channel, all of them, all of that is crafted in a way to keep their audience. Rarely, if ever, would you have somebody from CNN jump over and watch three hours of Fox and go, oh, I get it. And rarely would you have anybody from Fox sit down and watch CNN and go, they're right. So behind the scenes of all this stuff, kind of like the Wizard of Oz concept, don't look behind the curtain because there's a guy moving a bunch of wires and, and lights and stuff. That's how it is. So somewhere in all these proceedings, my educated guess is that the biggest liability on the crew and the team was Tucker Carlson. He's the one that pushed it the most, according to them. Again, you know what? I've never seen the guy's show. I don't want to. Don't care. And I'll tell you why. Because there's some things that he and I agree on that I didn't find out until after the fact, which I'll get to in a second. Now, you may think, what? You're agreeing with Tucker Carlson? Yeah, I am in some stuff. And uh, But there's your tease. You're going to have to hold that for just a second. So that's just a little setup of how it really works. And the fact that he was not allowed to address his audience before he left, is normal in this business. There's been at least four or five times that I had zero idea going into a radio booth that it was my last day. And there's a reason for that. They don't want you locking yourself in there, ranting and raving and pissing off your audience that somehow you're the victim of circumstance or whatever. I'm sure back in the day somebody got away with it, they said, yeah, so it's the norm in this business, whether it's at the level of Fox News with millions of people watching or you're on CBS at KMOX in St. Louis. It's how it works. And they depend on the fact that people have a forgettery. They, our history isn't real good, but our forgettery is even, even better. Meaning <clears throat> in time, somebody will fill the Tucker Carlson slot. They will talk about similar things that Tucker Carlson did, but they won't talk about things that he talked about which got them in trouble and cost them money. And I believe Brian Kilmeade has jumped into that slot already. I don't think, I don't don't know if it's permanent or not, but it's like now it's called Fox News Tonight or something like that. I met Brian a few times over the years, many, many, many years ago. There was a, uh, when Fox News was more about entertainment, especially the Fox and Friends in the Morning Show. And I don't remember the name of the couple that won the uh, won the visit. But basically, they did some big thing where Steve Ducey, E.D. Hill, or E.D. Donahue, was the female anchor, and Brian Kilmeade, like would come to a town and broadcast. And somehow people in Escanaba, Michigan, won this contest. It was like, Al, he's like a dentist or something, his wife. And the whole idea was like they're gonna, having breakfast with the crew. So they were out on their lawn in their pajamas and stuff. So I, my, producer at the time, Anne Marie, who was like a bloodhound, if she could find a guest even if they were dead and drag him on the show, somehow she worked it out that I'd be part of the Fox and Friends show in the morning. And it was a big deal. You know, Fox, this is national news coming here to Escanaba and, you know, school shutdown, parades, proclamations, the whole drill. But the night before that event, I met with Brian and E. D and Steve for drinks. Uh, at a small motel in Escanaba. We had a great time, great people, had a lot of fun. And uh, Brian at the time was the sports guy. So Ducey was the weather guy, E.D. Hill was the, the, the female anchor, and Brian Kilmeade was a sports guy. So the next day we do this show thing, and it was great, and we had a lot of fun, and I, I kind of connected with them. So they had me on maybe three, four more times from Escanaba, talking nationally through New York. Uh, I would go into a studio. Matter of fact, I'd drive to Chicago to do these because there was no studios in in the Upper Peninsula at the time to do this. So I, w- when I was going to Chicago, and if they wanted me to out- talk about something, some sort of rural perspective, I suppose they found you know. So they filled time with me. Is really what it was, and that's okay. And I don't ever remember what happened to E.D. Hill. I believe she retired. She's been out of it for a long time. Uh, probably smart on her her side, but anyway. Ducey was the weather guy, Kilmeade's the sports guy, or the sports guy, and E.D. was the female anchor. Very smart woman. May have even had you know, her lawyer credentials. Anyway, that all happens. And then I watched over the years this entertainment-based morning thing morph into something different. And that was to address an audience need. The, the Fox in its entirety, definitely conservative news organization, and definitely has an agenda and was filling an empty slot that was not being addressed by CNN, MSNBC, you name all the NNNs, it just wasn't there. So Fox slid into that slot and they found an audience and the audience found them and their job is to maintain the audience, to maintain the, the sponsorship. That's how you m- make money in, in the media. So for those of you who sit back, and it's easy, because I get it, if you're not in the business, it's like any other business. Any other business, I'm only looking from the outside in and going, here's what I assume this is like. It may not be that way. So I'm telling you from the inside out that that is the core thing. The problem with that is, is when it bites you in the ass and costs you money, then you go, huh, was it worth it? So if you're putting out nearly three quarters of a billion dollars, a lot of change, some lawyers are going to make some serious cash, three quarters of a billion dollars to feed their audience what they want, you have to reassess, or not, could drive you out of business. So that's not something the average, quote, Fox viewer, or CNN viewer, or MSNBC viewer thinks about. All those entities want is to have somebody in front of the television getting fed. And you need people to feed them. And those people have to carry that narrative. Over on CNN, which just a couple times I saw Don Lemon over the years, I thought, man, I've seen this guy 50 times. Not him personally. but There's guys like him all over the place. It's nothing new. There, as I said about the you know the rookie ball and A ball and AAA ball and in the major leagues, they're everywhere. Years ago, and this is, a to me, the perfect example. When I first started in radio, I was on two hours a week. I had five shows to get it right, hour a week for five weeks. And then I bumped up to two hours a week. And then by the time that year ended and going to 97 and 98, an audience had found me. And the audience had found me because I wasn't talking about what everybody else was talking about. Here's this guy who's 37, 38 years old, um, who's not talking about politics or religion all the time. Wait, what's that? And you find out that there's a lot of people that need that, that there's got to be a respite from all that bullshit that changes nothing and get down to our lives which should mean everything, and the fact that we're running out of time should matter. So even though I talked to politicians and I talked with sports people, and I love sports and politics, and I didn't get into much religion stuff, somehow an audience found me. And and, And because of that, my career started moving in a way that pulled me forward. I didn't have to design it per se. I just had to keep showing up and talking about the things that I think matter to me and matter to people, no matter how you vote or what your particular religion is or what your favorite sports team is. All those things are dividing factors to a greater or lesser degree. So, this goes on and, and eventually I you know, get an agent and it becomes a big deal and, and all this, this stuff starts happening. I was on television, when, <laughs> it was funny, I got these tapes somewhere. Um, Charter Communications was a, a small regional communications company back then, this probably in 2000, 99, 2000, and they put a TV camera in my studio for as an experiment to see if people would watch me in their homes and like a simulcast, they'd see me and they'd hear the radio show. And I thought, who in the world is going to sit at home and watch on the television, a guy on the radio in a studio two states away? Why would you do that? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. They put it in there and I was wrong. It exploded into all these markets because it was different. At the time, I believe there was only there were three other people that were doing simulcast. Don Imus was one. Howard Stern was one. I don't remember the the, the third person and myself. And I was nothing compared to these guys at the time. But it, it taught me how this stuff can expand, expand, expense Try to say this twice exponentially, and um, without real much effort on my part, I just kept showing up and talking about the things that mattered to me. People connected with it. Bigger audience. Bigger audience. Bigger audience. Probably, I'm trying to get the years right here. and They're, they're a, little, a little foggy, kids. Not enough coffee this morning. I'm do, actually doing the show much later than I always do. Slept in a little bit today. But anyway, um, probably in, in 2001, 2000, 2001, right after 9-11, somewhere in there, I had moved over to uh, an ABC affiliate. I'd gotten this deal with my agent and I moved over. I replaced Dr. Laura, if you remember her on radio. And she had an audience and her audience did not like me at all. So she was all about having people, you know, screw up their life for 20 years, calling in two minutes, tell them they were stupid and fix it. Next caller. I don't do that. So when it was, when they found something they wanted to try different, which was me, I think, I don't know how many affiliates i replaced around 10, 15, something like that. I got hate mail for months. Hate mail for months. All I was doing was talking about what I thought was important. Like I had before they took. Dr. Laura out and her audience was listening to me. I'm not doctor. My name's not Laura. We have a kinder, gentler version of how we get through our lives. I'm not going to beat the hell out of you. And I found it fascinating, but it's a formula, but I found it fascinating that you can have so many problems, call someone on the radio and believe that they're going to fix your stuff in about a minute and a half, two minutes next caller. And then go back to living your life. My stuff was far deeper than that. But again, it's what your audience wants or doesn't want. Eventually, I started getting nice letters from the people who were listening. You said, I'm sorry I sent you that bad letter. And I read this stuff and it bounces off after a while. But it's the same thing here. At some point, they tried this thing, and Dr. Laura's long gone from the radio. She had her run and that's it. And quite frankly, in many cases, I'm gone from the radio. I've had my run, it may come back, it may not, I don't know, that's why I do this show. And this show has its own audience. I don't know why you're listening, I'm just glad that you are. In the early days of the podcast, calling this Life 2.0, a lot of people thought I was going to go all Tony Robbins on them. Like I'm going to come out here and throw a bunch of quotes and I'm going to rant and rave and say, how great you are, how great you are. Just repeat it and stand in front of the mirror, how great you are. And Life's not like that for me. So I had a lot of people sign up as subscribers and after about 10 shows, they thought this isn't what I thought it was. So they pulled out. That's okay. It's money out of my pocket. It's the same thing, right? So when they when the subscribers leave, I lose money. Somebody comes in and replaces them, it's replenished same basic tenants that we're talking about. So that's kind of the lay of the land here. And before I get to where I run out of time, which I'm really trying to keep these 30 minutes, I want to talk about um, what I agree with Tucker Carlson about. After he was off that next Monday, so Friday he was done, Monday the, the news comes out, and um, he issued a statement last Wednesday. And the statement goes on to say, One of the first things you realize when you step outside of the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country. Kind and decent people who really care about what's true and a bunch of hilarious people. A lot of those. It's got to be the majority of the population even now, so that's heartening. I agree with that. That's totally true statement. When you're sitting in your, even this microphone, I have to be careful. And any of the other microphones I've been behind. I have to remember that I'm in a fishbowl here. It's everything that you're listening to is coming out of my brain. Not always great, not always brilliant, but there it is. Here it's trickling out again. And I'm hoping that there's some value in this for you. That it's a takeaway thing. That by the time I've gone through this rant rave today for 30, 35, 40 minutes, that maybe there's a better understanding of the media and how it works. And maybe that you can say, yeah, I can I can see this a little bit. Most of those shows is not about having you say, oh yeah, I can see that. It's, I want to see this. So it's just a slight pause and things going, huh, never thought of it that way. There's a beginning. So Tucker Carlson and I agree that uh, there's a lot of genuinely nice people in this country and a lot of hilarious ones. And it's probably the majority, more than we even know. Yes, that's correct. These entities, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, just name any news organization, are chopping away at a really small piece of pie. Most people I know live right down the middle, right down the middle, whether it's politically, uh, with their religion, uh, with their values, how they treat people, stellar human beings. My life is filled with them. I don't have any ranting and raving people unless they had a couple in them and then, you know, Sybil comes out. But for the most part, I don't have that. So when I've watched these shows, I'm thinking, why is everybody so pissed off? The world I live in and a lot of my friends live in, we just say, yeah, that's, that's how it is. And you move through it. And you figure it out and you keep going. And this isn't the end of the world, even though every night on the news, it appears to be so. I'll tell you why it works that way. There is no money in the middle. Let me repeat that. There is zero cash in common sense and running down the middle of things. I found that out in some way, shape or form. You have to have leverage. You have to have an angle. You have to make sure it sticks. And so for Fox, for example, it's all about being conservative and, and, you know, getting the government out of our lives. And I'm always amazed at people who are saying, we got to get the government out of our lives and make it smaller, usually work in the government. But anyway, and, and all that goes along with that, CNN, probably the opposite, much more of a liberal point of view. And they cover the same stories with their belief systems intact. And that's why you get to see two different views of things. But if you go back to what I said, this is about making money. It's not about being right, it's not being, being happy, it's not being about accurate, it's not being about truth, it's about making money. And whatever makes money is what you will do more of. So I always thought working at Harpo was a great example of that you can, now Miss Winfrey's done very well in the beginning of her career. She had some of the lower level stuff and they got out of that and moved everybody up with her. And I thought, now here's a perfect example of someone who's carved out a niche talking about things that matter, your lives, not just shoes or what politician did what and all that kind of stuff. She was an example of that, but she's the, she's the one-off. A lot of that, you have to have these these edges. Jerry Springer, who just passed away, started out as a, as a, as a talk show host to talk about things that kind of mattered and found out doesn't matter. We need to get the lower underbelly here and have them come out and talk. That's what people want to see. Well, there, I don't want to see that, but there's a segment that does and they did very well with it for decades. Mori Povich, I can't even get into that. So these are all very small audiences in comparative to the world that they're reaching out to. So if 17 million people tune into Fox, a lot of 330 million, that's not a majority. Or if 20 million tune into CNN, it's the same thing. These are numbers only in relative to the platforms that are, they're coming from. Something really important to keep in mind. Tucker Carlson continued, The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And then at the same time, this is the amazing thing. The undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. Civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Spot on. I agree with Tucker Carlson. It's just because I said it. There's no room. Who wants to listen to that? A couple of months ago, my highly significant other and I went up and saw Neil deGrasse Tyson up in Milwaukee. And it was about a two-hour show. It took longer to get there and back than it did for the show. But it was worth it because here's this guy who's a brilliant scientist and the the way he sees the world's the way I want to see the world to a greater or lesser degree. And I wanted to see that. There's probably 2,000 people there. And I think he was going to do another one the next couple of days. So there's 4,000 people that got a chance to see this. But 4,000 people, if you try to get that as a viewership on Fox, they turn the the station off. These debates, these conversations talking about things that really matter are not had. Why? Because they don't make money. Who's going to do that? CNN? No. Fox? No. MSNBC? No. They have to feed the raw meat because people are hungry to be fed again and again and again to reinforce their beliefs. And those reinforced beliefs keep them coming back. So He goes on to say, finally, both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them the most, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't work. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this, that that's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up on persuasion. They're resorting to force, but it won't work. When honest people say what's true calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, liars who have been trying to silence them shrink and become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find America saying true things? There aren't many places left. So I can pick and choose through that one, because if you listen to... The transcripts that came out and the testimony was coming out and the information that was out, uh, Mr. Carlson and the, our former president, not really good friends, even though he had to put that on in order for that check to clear. So this isn't about making everything that happened at Fox okay, because I kind of don't care, quite frankly. Listen, I've said this before, and I, t- I ran into somebody not long ago, a guy I played football with in college, and he said he had seen my TED talk in Ontario about human math. And he says, you know, were you a math major? I'm like, hell no. I mean, give me a break. But I do know that everything adds up in the end or subtracts in the end. At some point, it's a zero-sum game. Nobody's getting out of life alive. How I spend my time before my time is up, that is vitally important to me. And if it's important to you to sit in front of Fox News and suck that stuff up till you drop, that's up up to you. Just don't get any of it on me. Same thing goes if you're you know, you got to be in CNN, constantly negative news and, and feed on that stuff. Just don't get any of it on me. So my job in the media has been for a long time is to, to hopefully shake the tree. Come on, folks, we can do better than this. And those things, you know, as I've said many times, and I said the TED Talk, I've never seen Democrat or Republican on a headstone, ever. Go run up through a cemetery where you live and see if you can find where it says Democrat or Republican or other or independent. It's not there father, mother, sister, brother, auntie, uncle, veteran, beloved. That's there. And so the things that divide us while we're alive, like all this BS with news and who did what to who and all that stuff, it's eight-year-olds talking in adult bodies. I like to think at some point you can't just be an eight-year-old your whole life and that you have to wake up a little bit and get your shit in one sock and move forward. That's just me though. So that's really the basis of Life 2.0 is that. So even talking about Tucker Carlson, who I don't know, but I do because there's a lot of guys like him. One more I'll get to here in a second was you know it, it, this isn't about defending him one way or the other. this is how it works from behind the scenes. And if I walked into WGN one day and my ID didn't work anymore, that was the signal that I don't work there anymore. They didn't call me, they didn't tell me. I was talking uh, you know on the show many times I've been working on this book with Randy Hunley uh, coming out this summer called Iron Man, about his time in, in the Major League Baseball and all the great things he achieved. And he found out that he was let go of the Cubs and traded to the Minnesota Twins by listening to the radio while he was in traffic in 1973, I believe it was. 14 years, all this time with the Cubs, legendary status, nobody called him. So it's across the board with this stuff. And then it does fade off and you move forward or not. And I, I mentioned about this other guy that... I. At the, at the at the rookie level, when I went to ABC, replaced Dr. Laura on all those stations, I was on Monday through Friday, three to five, no, three to six, afternoon drive, live radio every day. And from noon to three was Rush Limbaugh, who was before me. Now, politically, from, I can tell you behind the scenes, obviously I didn't always agree with everything he talked about, if ever. But as a broadcaster, he was phenomenal. So I looked at him as a broadcaster, like, well, that's how you hold an audience, that's what you do insistent energy uh, pushing the levels pushing the pushing the edge uh, all that stuff and that's what his job was make 40 million a year to do that it's hard to give that up right so in all of that there was a guy that was on saturday mornings where i lived in the upper peninsula he fancied himself the rush limbaugh of the outdoors now, this guy's passed away so i'm not even getting to his name and all that kind of stuff. But suffice to say, he had basically modeled himself to a greater or lesser degree after Rush Limbaugh, just talking about outdoor stuff, hunting, fishing, da-da-da. But he didn't talk about hunting and fishing, per se, as he talked about the corruption in the Department of Natural Resources and how everybody's coming to get your guns. And every Saturday morning for three or four hours, he would just rile up people about this stuff. He'd get on and uh, one time said, you know, I'm about ready to put a warning shot in the chest of a DNR officer. He can't say that on the radio radio station got slapped you know with a fine so all of a sudden he's becoming a liability you got this audience that wants what he's got a lot of pissed off people that don't like authority and he's your guy the rush limbaugh of the outdoors and you wouldn't want to meet a more bitter sad and lonely person in your life he, he his whole existence was built around being that character on Saturday morning because that's where he got his feed. That's where he, they connected. Later on, he would do a show during the week called the Light and Lively Adult Music Show. <laughs> Which guy is it? Probably both, right? Bipolar, tripolar, take your pick. So it's everywhere and anywhere. And finally, the the last piece of this came from uh, a, a little blurb out of Variety online. I don't read it you know, in print, but Variety online. Former Fox News host, Megan Kelly, who, take it for what it's worth, said it was a terrible movie by Fox. I think she meant move, but even Variety makes typos. But a great thing for Tucker Carlson is he will eventually obviously pop up somewhere and his audience will move with him. I'm sure that Fox's audience is diminished. when fo- When Tucker Carlson pops up somewhere on a podcast or his own thing, it'll all be fine. She said, I don't know what drove Fox News to make this decision, and it was clearly Fox News' decision because they're not letting him say goodbye. That is my supposition, but that's not my inside knowledge. I think it's a massive error. She just helped me put the whole show together. I think this is a massive misjudgment of what their audience wants. So, kids, let's just review real quick before I cut you loose today. When you're watching this stuff on television, you have to understand, or at least you should attempt to understand, how this works behind the scenes it's not that just this man or woman pops up myself included and says here's here it is here's the keys to the kingdom and then you get in line and follow that you know part of doing podcasting i've had people saying how many followers you have i don't want followers i want leaders i don't need anybody following me around going you're the greatest thing in the world i've had some of that don't care about it so building leaders to me is far more important than having followers that's that's just my little glitch there but anyway She's correct. So you Tucker Carlspin's there 14 years. When he started, he was on Saturday mornings. It was, he was a milquetoast guy. But you can't be milquetoast and be on that show. They wouldn't listen. So he's had to conform to that and, and morph into that. These days, Brian Kilmey doesn't do the sports anymore. Steve Ducey hasn't done the weather in I don't know how long. And E.D. Hill's retired. It's all about the audience. And in that note, I hope you gained just a little tiny insight on the backside of all this. And we'd go to these radio conventions. And I've been to a couple where, you know, somebody's Jim Bohan and Rush Limbaugh, some of the big names, uh, Barry Farber, were all there talking. We all kind of yucked it up a little because we all know on some level we're entertainers as well. If I just got on here every Saturday and went, well, time for the Life 2.0 podcast. And I talk like that for 30 minutes, you know, not going to happen. So there's that piece of it. But also if I can inform, entertain, and inspire at the same time, then that's the goal. So with that in mind, thank you for being my audience. I really, really appreciate it, especially the subscribers who have been with me since day one, plunking down 20 bucks a month. Same thing I paid for a pizza last night. It was gone in nine minutes. You get the whole month of programming here. 20 bucks a month, five bucks a week, 66 cents a day for all this. Again, are cheap at twice the price. Anyway, I appreciate it. Be well, safe travels. Until next time, keep the faith.